God is good. Amen. Before I get started, could we just give a round of applause, though they can't hear it, and maybe you can put a clap in the chat, but let's give a round of applause to our new PT partners. Woo Even during the pandemic, we are growing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before we uh, get into our sermon, I have, once again, a question for our children, 17 years and under. And, of course, you know the drill, gift card uh, for those who respond. And here's the question. Last week, I spoke to you about go get Rahab. And I said that Rahab's name in Hebrew has three, she has three different meanings for her name. One begins with a B, one begins with an L, and one begins with a V. Again, a B as in Brian, L as in love, V as in uh, very. And uh, if you can send your answer to the chat, the first two or three, I guess, or whoever they choose, um, will get a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to speak to you on a subject, but before I do, I want to remind you that next year, our theme for next year, 2021, as a church, is biblical justice. Now, I want to remind you that our theme for this year is to believe. So you still have six more weeks to believe for what God has for you in this year. And we've had so many testimonies. It has been just a fabulous year uh, for many. But I know that it's been a challenging year for many, too, who are still uh, struggling and yet believing. But as we go into or prepare our hearts for 2021, of course, we had our biblical uh, justice conference just to get our mindset. And I want to remind you how, uh, at least right now, it may change or evolve, but we have stated exactly through uh, Sister Kia's message that we define biblical justice as removing every obstacle and providing every opportunity for people to flourish and accomplish their God-given purpose. Again, we, we define justice as removing every obstacle. So it is a negative that is a removing and then providing, that is a positive, every opportunity for people to flourish and accomplish their God-given Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11 purpose. I want to speak to you this afternoon on the subject, Go Get Rahab, part two. And this is the final part of a two-part series. Go Get Rahab. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit of power, that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. I pray, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, that you will bear witness to my ministry, 
both with signs and wonders and different various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your own will. And then according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our heart be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in each and every one of us who are your saints. Help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Make it happen this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we, we had said that Rahab's name means, or hopefully you already answered, Rahab's name means, in Hebrew, it means broad. It means large. And I like the open Bible. It, it, open Bible defines the name Rahab as violence. And so when we look at Rahab's name being large, you, you, you find that here is a woman who, who, whose life is full of sorrow like Jabez in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, where Jabez says, bless me indeed and enlarge, enlarge my territory, enlarge my sphere of influence. And this is what, this is what Rahab is, is pleading, even in the midst of her struggles and her situation. And we find that though in this text, or not in the text, but we know Rahab to be a prostitute. The word prostitute comes from two Latin words. The etymology of the word prostitute is the word uh, statute or stare, which means to stand, and pro means before or in front of. And you may say, okay, that's not bad just to stand before or to stand in front of, but it really means to stand in front of totally naked. So in the hate to say this word, but the profession of her being a prostitute, there is nakedness, there is shame. Her profession also involved violence in that she was beaten, she was humiliated. So here you have a woman whose name means violence and she is the subject of violence. I imagine there are times when she came home with uh, a black eye or uh, broken bones and, and yet she is, she is captive to this, this horrible, horrible lifestyle. And her heart is aching for deliverance. Her heart is, is like Jabez. She, I imagine she's like, if there's a God up there, could you get me out of this? And praise God that we have a God who heard the cry of our heart. We must remember that God does not simply hear the cries of believers only. God hears the cry of the broken. Psalm chapter 10, verse 17 says, in the New Living Translation, says, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear 
their cries, you will bring justice to the oppressed. Psalm 145 verse 19 also talks about the Lord hearing the cries of people, period, not simply believers. And then when you go into the New Testament, you find in Matthew chapter 15 verse 22 where a Canaanite woman, a a woman who belongs to a people who are the enemy of the people of God, she comes to Jesus and she bows down in agony and cries out to Jesus, Jesus, could you deliver my daughter who is possessed by a devil? And you know the story how well Jesus says it's not appropriate for me to give the children's bread to a dog. And she says those, that wonderful statement of faith, yes, Lord, it may be true that I'm a dog, but even the dog gets the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus looks around at his, his students, <laughs> those who should know better. He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. He is stunned that a, that a person who didn't go to Bible school, didn't go to seminary, wasn't raised in church, had more faith in him than those who have been hanging around with Jesus. It's a shame that people who don't know Jesus, when they first encounter him, have more faith than those of us who have been walking with the Lord for years. And if you read the text in chapter 15, you'll discover that Jesus, she was the only one who Jesus ministered to. Lord have mercy. In other words, Jesus took a ship to go to her country healed her daughter, and then left. That's what we call go-getting Rahab. Jesus will hear the cries of mercy. And I believe that's one of the reasons why we did the Thanksgiving pop-up pantry on yesterday. It was a powerful time yesterday and I I took a little video clip because they say one picture is worth a thousand words. I want you to see this. What an amazing, amazing day yesterday was where, as I said before, we served about 150, maybe over 150 families. We served, we had a team going to Central Square to serve uh, toiletries to the homeless. It was just wonderful. And and the one thing I liked about uh, yesterday is that we even had two of our young people, two of our uh, generation chosen uh, young people who who were there to serve, and I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I almost want to give them a shout out, but I shouldn't, you know, separate them from others. But the point is, is that they came, these, these two young ladies came on uh, Friday and Saturday. I'm so glad that our young people, our, our millennials, even though they're not young people per se, but the Gen Zs who are young people, um, I'm so glad 
that this generation has a heart and a passion for justice. Why is that important? Again, we said justice is removing every obstacle. In this case of yesterday, we were removing the obstacle of shame. Yesterday, we removed the obstacle of shame and we provided a plus, an opportunity. What was the opportunity? Food for Thanksgiving. For people to flourish and accomplish their God-given purpose. You see, we find that with Rahab, her, her opportunity occurred in Joshua chapter 2 when the spies came to her home. We also see that her opportunity came in Joshua chapter 6 where Joshua says, make sure you go get Rahab. Yep, everybody in the city is to be destroyed. Everything in the city is to be destroyed. But when you go to Rahab's house, anybody who's in Rahab's household, get them out safely. So here's, here's the thing that struck me. All right. So they get Rahab and her family out of Jericho. And now everything that Rahab knew of her past, yes, obviously as a prostitute, her life was full of violence and her life was full of tragedy and, and humiliation. But that word violence also speaks of the attitude that she had to get into the kingdom of God. Because Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. That word violence doesn't mean to fight. That word violence means to crowd in. That word violence means I am determined to be a part of this. You can look at it this way before social distancing. Um, if you've been in a case where where you have to take the, the train, say the red line, from uh, Central Square to downtown Boston. Maybe you work in a financial district, and, and the train comes, and the door opens, and of course it's rush hour, and the train is packed. And you know how it goes. The train is packed, the door is open, and everybody on the train is looking at you saying there's no more room on this train. And the, and, and the look is, so don't get on this train, wait for the next one. But you have a look in your eye like, no, you're gonna make room for me. Like, either, either you push in, or I'm gonna grab somebody, throw them out, and I'm gonna get in. See, that's violence, that is, I'm getting in. And, and we, we see this woman who is stuck in this, in this violent uh, uh, situation and circumstance, I don't want to call it profession, violent situation, she, she sees her opportunity and she says, I'm getting out of here. But yeah, so she gets out of Jericho, so she gets out of sin, so she gets out of 
all that she knew in her past, but now she's with 1.5 million people who my guess is she probably at least speaks the language, but she's with these people who have a totally different culture. Everybody, yeah, she has family, but the point is, is that she is in a country among the people who, who are looking at her and her family as outsiders. Oh, my. So I imagine it's like, okay, praise, praise Jehovah that I'm alive. But what's my future going to look like here? Because everybody sees me as, some people see me, most people see me as Brian Green. Some people see a worship leader as Talith Marks. Could you imagine your name being Rahab the prostitute? Like, everybody in the country knows who you are and what your past is. You're walking to the market to get some food, and people already know you're different because you're the only survivor and your family from Jericho. Mommy, who's that? She looks different. Oh, that's, that's Rahab the prostitute. So what's your future look like? Let me read three scriptures as we hop over into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 to 6 says, this is a genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. This is the uh, English Standard Version. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies in Joshua chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. James, this is Jesus' half-brother, same mother, different father, and in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, there you go again, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Is dead also. Is dead also. So why do we need to go 
get Rahab. Why do we need to go get Rahab? We need to get Rahab for three things, and we'll get to it. Christ, conviction, and consequences. Christ, conviction, and consequence. Now, this woman Rahab is, she's grateful to Jehovah. She, has, she, she like the book of Ruth, she gives up her gods and serves the God. In fact, she gave up her God before Jericho was destroyed because she said to the spies in chapter 2, I know that your God is the supreme God. Her faith was released right there. Lord have mercy. And, and, we, and so she, she was justified by her faith. This is what uh, Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 4, that he says, as long as you have the faith of Abraham, you are a child of Abraham by faith. Now, there's a scripture, I can't remember where I find, find it, but I'm going to talk about it later, where uh, Jeremiah calls, we heard of Jehovah Jireh, which is my provider, Jehovah uh, Rohi, David calls him Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Uh, Moses calls him Jehovah, Jehovah uh, Rapha, which is the Lord uh, my healer. Gideon calls him Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jeremiah calls him Jehovah Tiskanu. And one of the definition, one of the definitions of Tiskanu, many times we, we use the term the Lord my righteousness, which is true. But the other definition, you can look it up, the etymology of that word Jehovah Tiskanu, Tiskanu meaning righteousness, it also means the Lord who makes things right, or watch this, the Lord who does justice. He is Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord who does justice. And that's why, notice, we're quick with Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, which he says, be holy as I am holy. But now he's saying in Jeremiah, I am the Lord who does justice. So in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he says, I'm requiring you to do justice just like I do. So she is justified by her faith. And she sees no future at all. And come up here, honey. And so there's this man who is, you stop right there. He is praying to God for a wife. And there are hundreds of thousands of Jewish women available. But for some reason, he's not feeling a leading or a sense of marrying any of these women. And all of a sudden, this new woman from Jericho is in the country. And the Lord says, I want you to, to go get her. See, 
I believe the Lord is saying, yes, it's fine that you were rescued out of the world into the community of believers. But sometimes you can be in the community, Lord have mercy, of believers and still feel like an outsider. And so I implore some of you who are feeling lonely, feeling isolated, feeling like, my goodness, with this whole COVID-19 pandemic, I don't know how much more I can take. I can't go to church. I would encourage you, I plead with you to get on either the morning prayer line or get on the midnight prayer line or get a, be a part of a small group or be or get a part of become a part of the social justice prayer line on Tuesday. You will be amazed at what community takes place. Uh, literally, there's a woman who who used to go to church regularly when we were having church, and she was a partner for church at PT for two years. And these were her words. She said, "I feel more connected now to PT." than when we were physically together. Why? Because she comes on the prayer lines daily, and it's like, it's, you, I, I implore you, if you are feeling lonely, if you're feeling uh, uh, isolated, and I'm talking to you, even if, you're, even if you're an outsider and you don't belong, you're not a partner, you're not a member of Pentecostal Tabernacle, Trust me, we have people who call from out of state. We have people who call from out of the country, and they feel so connected. Why? Because they found a community online. And, and, and it's caused us to reimagine Pentecostal Tabernacle where we, we gotta, where we come to the conclusion we're no longer brick and mortar, that is PT North and PT South. We are now PT Global. Yes, yes, yes. And we're meeting people we would have never met. The opportunity of proximity. And so every time he's walking by this woman, he feels this pull like, marry her, that this is the one. And Solomon's like, no, what will people say about me? This is the one. But, but, but you don't understand. She, she was a prostitute. I had it in my heart that someday I'm going to marry a virgin. This woman has slept with thousands of men. God, certainly you're not telling me to marry her. And the Lord says to him, this is my imagination, so don't be, oh, he's not in the word. This is my imagination. Calm down. The Lord says to him, Solomon, yes, sir. What's your name mean in Hebrew? It means garment. Oh, it means garment. Yes, Lord, it means garment. What do garments mean? do. Oh. So what I need you to do, Solomon, I need you 
to take this woman as your wife and I need you to be a garment over her and cover her shame so people no longer see her for her past. They see her for her future. And this is what Jesus did for us. He took his blood and covered us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, the blood of Jesus cleanses our mind from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Hebrews says we have access through his blood. Solomon, I need you to cover her. I need you now that when people see her, they no longer see her past. All they see is her future. And so because of the covering, thank you, dear. She's no longer, I could run around and share, she's no longer Rahab the prostitute. She's now Rahab the daughter of Abraham. When we cover people, when we cover people, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. We got to, in Christ, cover people's shame. When we were having a food pantry uh, pop-up, there were people outside of the church who were in line, who, who I was surprised at. I was like, whoa. And I remember the person saying when we had our first pop-up, they, they said, because they knew they knew us, we knew them, and they said, I, I, I don't want to come because I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Now, I, I, I used to be in a certain space economically, and if you'd have told me that I would be in a line like this, I would say, you're out of your mind, and yet I find myself here and thank God for Auntie Debbie. She's like, look, don't, do not be ashamed. This is why we're here. I remember some person in the line, they were, they, they were so elated with what we did that they said, you need to, you, you, they came to me and they said, you need to have the, uh, the news reporters here so that they can see what the church is doing. And I just said, well, you know, but in my mind, I was like, no, because I don't want people who are looking at the news and they're like, oh, wow. When you get Rahab, you got to make sure that you cover her so that people can't look at her past. Isn't it interesting that every... Mm, Every time her name is mentioned, oh my goodness, I could run around a church. Every time her name is mentioned, the only time in the New Testament where her past is not linked to her 
is when she's associated with Christ. Hebrews calls her a prostitute. James calls her a prostitute. But when it comes to Christ in Matthew, it simply says she's the wife of Solomon, the mother of Boaz. Here is this woman who once was, had a horrible past. She now produces a son who's called Boaz, and Boaz means strength mm. in Christ. Secondly, God says, I need, to get Bo- I, I need to get Rahab because she's a woman of conviction. What do you mean? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, in, in the Revised Standard Version, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Get her because she's a woman of faith. She, get her because even though she's a, she's a Canaanite, her faith moves me. The beautiful thing about God is that he didn't give us money. He gave us faith. Faith is the currency that operates the kingdom of God. Get Rahab because I need to bring her in Christ. Get Rahab because she has conviction. We need to get people, get the Rahabs, not only outside of PT, but inside of PT because they're in Christ. Get the Rahabs because they have conviction, they have faith, and get Rahab finally because she's, she's going to be a person of consequence. What do you mean? The word consequence, it comes from two Latin words, con, which means with, and sequence, or sequi, which means to follow. So consequence means follow with. So in other words, God says, you need to get Rahab because there's some things that are going to happen because of her. So Rahab, because Solomon brought her into the family of God, without Rahab, then I can run on the ship, because without Rahab, there's no Boaz. Without Boaz, there's no Book of Ruth. If you read the text correctly, you will discover that Boaz was, my guess is, it doesn't, I don't think he had, I don't think Boaz, I think Boaz got married later in life. And he marries this Moabite who the Lord says, I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23, I don't want a Moabite in my in my congregation up to the 10th generation, and yet you have this boy who has a mom from Jericho, and he's raised by this mom who is not an Israelite. And so his heart has been nurtured to be open to what God may want to do that's different for him. He does not, Boaz does not marry Ruth, I believe, without having Rahab as his mother. And my point is, there are some people 
outside of PT, and maybe inside of PT, that if we would go get them, what do you mean go get them? Meaning the people who don't usually get contact. Maybe, maybe you should go through our PTCB list and maybe there's a picture or a name that you don't know and, say, and you say, I don't know this person. Well, maybe you should email them or text them and, and, and make a connection because they could be consequential to your future. So PT, what are you saying, Bishop? Let's, let's get out of ourselves and let's begin to reach out, not only outside of PT, but let's also reach out inside. That's why we have these, this, this, this month of appreciating each other. Because folks, these are, these are tough times. Make, make, make no mistake about it. But I believe, I like what Pastor China Cleveland once said, in community, there is immunity. In community, there's immunity. So as we continue to reach out, as we continue to write cards, send text messages, no, do whatever we need to do when it comes to social media to reach out to somebody and say, look, I'm going to go get you. I'm going to go get you. I'm not waiting. And you may say, well, I'm lonely, and I'm waiting for somebody to call. Look, everybody can reach out to somebody. Don't let the devil tell you that you have nothing to offer. You do have something to offer. You have yourself. And I believe that when we go get Rahab, when we go beyond ourselves, something powerful is going to happen. Let me say this one more time. Justice is removing every obstacle. And in this case, in some cases, it may be shame that we need to cover people so they're no longer ashamed. And providing every opportunity for people to flourish and accomplish their God-given purpose. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, because whether people are partners of PT, or they're not members of PT, our church. And there's some people online right now who we don't recognize their name and nobody knows who they are. But help us to be a church that reaches out to go get Rahab. I thank you, Lord, because we are developing a culture even in our morning prayers, in our, which is every day, in our midnight prayers, which is, you know, every day, at least during the week. That when we see a new name that we don't recognize, immediately people type in the chat, welcome, good to see you, glad that you're with us. And some of them maybe they are ashamed, like I don't know anybody on this line, but I so desperately need prayer. Whatever, whatever drove them to our prayer lines, whatever drove them to our Bible, our Bible study, whatever drove them to our Sunday morning service, whatever drove them to come to our online virtual services, a small group, Lord, whatever, took the, whatever it took for them to get to us, help us now 
to make it easy for them by us taking a step to go get them. And even right now, Lord, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if there's anybody who never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, you feel like an outsider. Jesus is using this sermon, Jesus is using this service to go get you. All he wants you to do now is to accept his invitation. And so if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and we're not talking about joining this church, we're talking about giving your life to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just repeat this simple prayer. Repeat after me, dear Lord, I come to you this afternoon and I admit, Lord, that I'm a sinner. And all that means is, that's right, repeat those words, all that means is that I never or I currently do not have Jesus in my heart. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross of Calvary as payment for my sin. And I believe God raised you from the dead. So Jesus, because you're alive, come into my heart, save me from my sins, and with your blood cover me so that I can become a child of God. Jesus, your word says, whoever calls upon your name shall be saved. So Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. Amen. And if you said that prayer, if you said that prayer, or any semblance of that prayer, you are now a child of God. If you said that prayer and you want more information, okay, I know what I did, but I want a clear understanding of what I did. You can do two things. You can either email us at the address on the screen, or you can actually go into one of the prayer rooms, the, the Zoom prayer rooms that are prepared after the service and talk to uh, somebody there who will pray for you. God bless you, and we're just so grateful for your being with us. MPT partners, this week, let's go get some Rahabs. Let's, let's, let's begin to reach out to people who maybe were thinking about and said, gee, I wonder how such and such is doing. Let's reach out and go get some Rahabs within the body of Christ. God bless you, and I want to uh, put your hands out. I want to give you this closing blessing. It's a little different. Uh, I bless you this week by declaring that this is a week, this is a good week, a God week, for this is the week that the Lord has made. You will rejoice and be glad in it. I bless you to be favored because you trusted the Lord. I bless you because you are healed, because by his stripes and wounds you are already healed. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves you, for greater is he that is in you than Satan who opposes you. You have victory over sin this week because you are dead with Christ. You have victory over death because you are raised with Christ. You can do all things this week through Christ who gives you the strength. You have no need this week because Christ has supplied them all. You're not intimidated because God has not given you the spirit of fear, intimidation, worry, or anxiety. But God has given you his Holy Spirit of power, ability, love, and soundness of
of mind. You're not confused because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author and the creator of your peace. You have perfect peace because you trust in the Lord. This week, you have the wisdom of God and you have the mind of Christ to learn and to make the right decisions this, this week. This week, you are overcomers because of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ and the word of your own testimony, his story that comes out of your mouth. God will use you this week. God will use it this week for his honor and glory because you yield yourself to his Holy Spirit. You are God's instrument of justice. You practice compassion and you walk humbly before your God. This week, you will not lose because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God bless you to have a prosperous, successful week in him. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. Go get Rahab. Hello, I'm Charmaine Jackman. I am a licensed psychologist in Massachusetts and the founder of InnoPsych Inc., an organization on a mission to make it easier and faster for people of color to find therapists of color. So today I am going to be speaking with you about gratitude. Now around the holidays, we often spend time reflecting on things we're grateful for and things we're thankful for. And I wanna share with you um, some reasons why we should be incorporating gratitude throughout the year. So first, what is it? What is gratitude? So gratitude is a practice of noticing the good things in our life, the things that are positive, the things that are working well, and it's also showing appreciation for those things, but also for the people around us, for nature, you know, for everything that we have in our life. So why is it important? Great question. So as a psychologist, I'm often spending time reflecting with my clients and really encouraging them to build a practice around gratitude. And the reason for that is gratitude is linked to a number of health benefits for both our physical and mental health. Some of those reasons include people with, um, who practice gratitude often exhibit more happiness and satisfaction with their life. They report having better sleep, better communication, healthier relationships. They also report less burnout and they're able to block negative emotions in their life. So those are some excellent reasons, right? So here's um, three things that you can do to start to integrate gratitude into your daily life. The first one is um, a, creating a gratitude routine. And one of the things that I find really easy to start with um, that I share with my clients is starting and ending your day reflecting on three things that you're grateful for. The second skill or strategy that I'd like to share is developing and using a gratitude journal. So writing th down things and reflecting on things that we're grateful for, for is again shown um, to sh build happiness and satisfaction with life. And then the third practice is writing a letter to other people in your life. Um, and this is a strategy again that I often encourage clients to do. Um, and it's writing a letter to someone, letting them know how important they've been to your life, um, how they have impacted you. So those are three really easy strategies that you can practice to build more gratitude and integrate more gratitude into your life. I hope that you can see what the connection is to our mental well-being and that you can start to think about maybe choosing one of those strategies that you might start with. Uh, thank you for listening and I hope that you can again start to think about ways that you might incorporate gratitude into your life 
because your mental health matters.